0: hello all welcome to the lunar ceasefire Stephen universe fan podcast this is episode 233 and today we'll be talking about issue 25 of the Stephen universe comic series i'm gc13
1: and i'm david so the beginning of this comic totally faked me out because i was you know thinking that it was like post the end of the series because you have lars back on earth and he's setting up a bakery and he's all in his you know Space Pirate Lars form, but all the gems were in, you know, their old outfits and not their new reformed outfits. And so I was just thinking while reading the first pages, uh, you know, it's too bad that the artist couldn't use this already. Or, you know, it's weird that the comic got scheduled way before the finale came out. And then, of course, I was completely wrong because it was just Lars daydreaming. That was a pretty cool twist.
0: Yeah, the intro kind of faked me out, too. I was I was reading it as the preview that they had posted and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to take place during Jungle Moon. And, you know, it, it doesn't take place during Jungle Moon, it takes place after Letters to Lars, but you know, it, it was only, you know, then when you see Rhodonite and Trudy, because the, the preview ends just before Lars' daydream ends. And it's like, oh, oh, he must be daydreaming. So, and then, then we see that's exactly what happened. But yeah, interesting twist. I I like what they did on the very first page. It's Not exactly an advanced visual technique, but I still like to see it used. How we have most of the background characters there are drawn in a much more desaturated color palette than all of the main characters, causing them to stick out really nicely.
1: Yeah, overall, the art style, you know, every artist that touches the comics has to come at it from a special angle. But here, she goes for like a really, it's like really on model. And, you know, everyone has like, There's like shading that appears a lot on like eyes and parts of the body that you don't normally get, as well as like a lot more um, lines on the face, especially around like the edges of eyes to like give them more like features when the character's like squinting or something. So all that looks really good. And there's like a lot of that, like similarly, when like Lars is holding like the scissors and stuff, there's just a lot of good shading. Also, the effect you're talking about again, when it's like zoomed in on Amethyst and Peridot like, the other characters around them are also, like, darker again. That's just, like, really cool. <laughs> also, just the design of the bakery is
0: <laughs> pretty interesting for Lars's fantasy. I like the space theme. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lars, Lars has good good design sense. It looks really good. I mean, seeing this fantasy
1: that he plays out, like, I wonder... Well, we don't even know how much more of this show we're getting now <laughs> in the real world. But, um, you know, it would be, like, a really strong linkage between the comics. And the, the canon of the show, if Lars actually tried to set up a bakery in show, because besides the movie that's coming out this year, which maybe will prove that the comics are incredibly canon, um, you know, this this is the next like most likely thing to happen. Like if this is what Lars wants to do when he comes yeah. back to Earth, we could actually see that happen in animated form.
0: Yeah, I mean, although I do wonder if it's a coincidence that his decoration centers heavily on diamonds and the color green.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, talking about design, Emerald is scary as heck <laughs> in this interpretation for some reason. Like, when she is angry, she looks absolutely fierce. Yeah, the, the, the canines are a nice touch, I think.
0: Yeah, there's just a lot of menace in her, in her eyes. I don't know, like, when when she's, when she's seeing Lars go into the nebula, that's like an,
1: no, no! Well, yeah, she looks kind of deranged in the first, <laughs> when she's telling him, you fooled me once, but you can't fool me twice. I don't know how I feel about her excuse for being okay with blowing up a ship the second time. It seems like she could have been okay with that the first time, being okay with destroying it and just you know, patching well, it up later.
0: the first time he put her on the spot, this time she's had time to think about what she's gonna do.
1: I mean, yeah, but I don't know. It seems like a cheap, probably the weakest point in the writing. Like, could have made up another reason.
0: I mean, heck, on, on Jungle Moon, I kind of got the impression she was going to have them boarded after removing their their weapons. Well, right. So... Like, she
1: could have just said, like, I mean, you could write anything. Since Emerald was gone for a while, Emerald could have gone and been like, "I just put a beam on my tractor beam on my ship, so now I'm just going to take you into my ship and not destroy it." You know, like I would have accepted that, and it would have tied in with you know what she previously said. But instead, the excuse they used was just, "Remember the problem I had before with destroying the ship? It's not a problem anymore, so
0: it's fine." Again, I, I think I think they have an out on it.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, though, the characterization of Pad Parasha is. Oh, like way different in this
0: comic. And I liked it. And I really wish that's what the show's characterization was. Oh, Um, yeah, she is much more in the present. And I like I like that a lot.
1: Well, we just straight up didn't know that Pat Proger could speak in sentences that weren't predictions about the past. Like, I don't think she's ever said something in show that wasn't a one liner. Whereas here, she like actually speaks and has agency, which is strange. Like, I don't know if that's what if the writer was like taking their own creative liberty there or if they somehow got a cue from the from the universe that hey this is actually how pad Paracha is we just never bothered to write that in the show because we just wanted to use her for jokes but uh yeah she has like an actual level of gravity and inclusion which just is way better to see because i really didn't want to see pad
0: Paracha on screen anymore as as much as i love our adorable little meme princess from the (laughs) tv series I do think this is a much better version of Pat Parasha. Yeah. Like, we, we should have we should have got more of this. I mean, maybe we will in a Lars of the Stars spinoff series, which would be awesome. Let's just not, let's not kid ourselves.
1: Yeah, I think this comic also, you know, thinking about like a spinoff, it proved that the whole needing Steven's perspective wasn't an issue here. Like, I honestly, if I hadn't already known that that was like a rule of the series, there's a way where you could have watched the series and you can imagine someone might not have noticed that there was like this unsaid rule that Stephen was always needing to be present. Yeah, it, it totally played out fine. And I would be OK with the show just doing this where we can just watch a story from a side character like Lars without Stephen, you know, having to be narrated to or anything else. It completely worked fine and I didn't feel like it was missing anything, but it's, I guess that's fine for a comic to do that in place of the show.
0: Yeah, they got a lot more freedom with their narratives. So you do agree with me, though, that this has to be after letters to Lars, although I am quite curious that they still need to work on the Nova Thrusters this late in the game. I thought they kind of fixed that.
1: Okay, but don't the
0: Nova Thrusters... I may be remembering wrong. Did they break more than once? Uh, No, they they just broke the one time.
1: And then they fixed them in show.
0: (laughs) And it doesn't... Yeah, then it doesn't make any sense that they were... If the Nova Thrusters were working the first time, and the Sun Incinerator is the fastest ship there is, then how did Emerald catch up with them in the first place? Best not to think about it, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I guess I'm trying to figure that out, too. Uh, I don't know if that's... Just a canon error, or if there's something else I'm missing. I mean, the episode where we see that they are out and then they are fixed is all in the same episode, right? That's how they speed away from Emerald, right?
0: No, 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 because remember Stevani has to go out and do the fancy jukes against the missiles and sends Emerald packing, and then Emerald doesn't come back even though Stevani's down there on the planet for like at least a day, if not days.
1: So then, well, in so in your mother and mine. Are their Nova thrusters already fixed then? Is that's that... the
0: one where that's the one where fluorite fixes them, but they they lose power and then Garnet, you know, comes out and narrates about Rose Quartz and then they get their power back. But no, wait, no, I think they still needed more repairs. Yeah. And then in letters to Lars, they were going to find Flotanium to fix their warp engines, which may or may not be the Nova thrusters.
1: Right, so I think there's enough of a gap there. Also, how much of a gap was there just between... Those weren't in the same bombs, right?
0: There was a, there was a little bit of a gap between them, but they were actually pretty close together.
1: Mm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, if it wasn't like six-month gap, then uh, the writer probably doesn't have that much of a... You know, they'd be able to incorporate it if it was within like a month. Maybe not. I don't know how fast. I guess the turnaround for these uh monthly issues are probably a lot faster than something like the graphic novels. So, actually, if, like, another bomb comes out, they're kind of stuck with whatever's been aired. Um,
0: Yeah. Anyway, I didn't really like Lars talking about his feelings, mostly because I, I don't know, I guess I'd made my peace with him having had all that character development. Seeing him still have growing to do is just kind of weird. But I guess it's good that he has to grow. I mean, it's, it satisfies one of my earlier complaints.
1: I mean, the problem is that it's, like, growing on the same thing, and that is true to reality like no one usually you know changes a core aspect about themselves within uh an 11 minute time span i mean
0: that's how fiction works so you just kind (sighs) of it's one of those reality is unrealistic things it's just like characters in works of fiction have to be far more consistent than real life people are otherwise people will say they're improperly characterized or inconsistently characterized.
1: I mean, the thing about that is you can create a character who is inconsistent or who continually fails. I mean, you can do that. You just have to, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not a professional writer, so I don't know how you do that. But there's definitely TV series where you watch characters fail and fail again and even try to incorporate change. I mean, even bringing it back to one of those series I always mention, like Avatar The Last Airbender, we watched. Spoilers alert, Zuko change a lot until like the end of the second season where he kind of go back, goes back on a lot of the character development he's had to sort of join the bad side again. So, I mean, you can do that, but like we have already seen the problem is, is just the part of the melodrama of Steven Universe. Like we already saw Lars cry in front of Steven and Connie in a way that already felt like <laughs> well, it felt like that was a moment already where he was like repeating emotions that he didn't need to repeat,
0: and to a ridiculous extent too.
1: Right, it, uh, nothing wrong with crying, but it just felt like he was crying about old things.
0: The the only part that saved that scene was how both Stephen and Connie misinterpret Lars and Sadie's relationship as that of best friends. That was the best <laughs> that saved that scene.
1: Right? No, that's perfect. <laughs> So, yeah, just seeing those repeated here, I mean, at least we don't get any of the, like, you know, voice acting can honestly make scenes like that harder to watch. How
0: dare CDB having fun without me?
1: Exactly. Whereas here, it feels like a more uh, subtle emotion. Like, Lars just looks kind of... He's more... He's not, like, ridiculously sad. And the way he's trying to, like, hold back his emotions to deal with the off-colors, and then the way Pad Parash sort of, like, helps him break down those feelings. Just feels a lot different than that encounter that you know between Stephen and Lars.
0: Yeah. Although uh speaking on a more positive note, I I do absolutely love the the Barigas in this. They're they're not in in much, but they're they're panel, their close up panel. I just I just love seeing them happy to see Stephen. That's so cute.
1: Well, yeah, considering that in show, they're so sad. Most of the times we saw them post Lars being gone.
0: Then they're up next to uh, like serial killer Steven face there.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that panel was crazy. Like, I don't it's the the problem is the lines under his eyes make him look (laughs) like a serial killer.
0: And the te- i think the teeth too, being so well defined—it's—it's it's really doing the the Mister Smiley thing from Too Short to Ride, where like he has to smile even though he is so exhausted. I—I I think I think the artist accidentally gave Stephen an exhausted look throughout this whole thing, and I think it's just fighting against how cheerful he's actually meant to be.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's intentional because yeah, in the panel before the zoom in on his face. Steven also has two lines underneath his eyes that, that you know, for instance, Connie does not. But then later when Stephen and Connie are both reading the book, they both have those lines next to their eyes. So yeah. <laughs> it's it's fine. Connie though. is
0: so adorable in this though.
1: Yeah, no, she really is. That outfit <laughs> translates so well to the comic.
0: Oh, yes, I the, the, the her father's Doug's jacket is just the best. And it fits fits her perfectly. Hmm i i'm just wondering though they they, they're bringing the vhs they better do something with that in one of the next two issues
1: we never actually saw frames from
0: ghost what was the title of it dream ghost i'm looking at it right now yeah
1: like we only have ever seen the box in show as well right we never actually saw them watching it so i'd really love to see some frames from that show because that cassette case always cracked me up with that menacingly smiling ghost and the lady like i want to understand that relationship because that does not look like the type of relationship
0: we've seen in steven universe <laughs> but yeah so this is uh according to what we've seen this this little story arc is only going to last for 3 issues so they they have two more issues to do something with that vhs i mean i'm sure the sun incinerator has a way to play it the ship seems pretty advanced which is classic steven by the way <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I don't know if the tape is going to somehow
1: play into it, but somehow the ship needs to get fuel. I guess that's really the main thing they need more than anything else.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're in a they're in a nebula. Nebulas are traditionally fuel rich places in sci fi.
1: Where you're talking about like the position of this comic in the timeline, though, is important to how this series is going to this three issue series is going to shake out because this if like the nova thrusters work and they have enough fuel. Then they have no excuse not to get back to Earth really fast, right? So this would be the only story to tell in space if it ends that mm-hmm. way. Otherwise, I guess they could just end with dealing with Emerald somehow, but then still being either short on fuel or short on... Fi- well, actually, the Nova Thrusters, she already fixed them because they're online, so they purely just need yeah. gas, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they just need to... This this one is just going to be them escaping from whatever danger is in that nebula. And then once that story arc is done, they're going to have enough fuel to have their conventional thrusters, and they're going to give Emerald the slip. Probably probably disable the Nova thrusters or find a way to remove that signal or something. But yeah, these these three issues are not going to have the Nova thrusters fueled up, I don't think.
1: Yeah, another thing that might play into how they deal with Emerald is... We never saw Lars's powers in show, but on a recent Steven Universe official podcast episode, they talked about and confirmed, you know, the fact that Lars does have Ly- all of Lion's powers. And we already know that I don't think that Lars hasn't discovered that yet at this point in the comics, because I'm pretty sure that's how he ended up with the spaceship in the first place. Because when he talks about how he got around...
0: Yeah, they didn't see me. I, I always got that as implying that he bingo-bongoed up some portals.
1: Right. So... It's kind of unfortunate that we never got to see explore that because like Lars discovering his powers, it's not like he ever saw a lion. So that would have been so rich for exploration. But maybe they'll do some of that in the next two issues. Because flashbacks, you mean? Well, well, I mean, he could just use portals again, though. I I don't think we're going to be able to go back to that first moment. But we could at least see his powers used, unless they want to save that for a show appearance. But you know, technically, we went inside of Pearl's Pearl way before that happened in the show. So
0: <laughs> Pearl inside Pearl's Pearl. Yeah. God, I cannot get over how awesome Lars's outfit is though. <laughs> yeah, I really need to know who they who who he stole that from. <laughs> yeah, like Must whoever whoever he stole it from is gonna be very upset because that, that uniform was top notch. Again.
1: If we had been able to see in show Lars, like finding out about his portal powers and then like
0: stealing clothes off a gem, you know, (laughs) maybe he got it when he was impersonating the what gem dignitaries, was it? And he got him to make an outfit for him because, you know, he's he's so big and important. He needs some uh, appearance modifiers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wonder if Emerald even recognizes that he's not a
0: gem. Uh, you know, I don't think she recognizes him as anything other than an off-color.
1: Yeah, I don't know if, if that could possibly play into this comic series either. Like, if she finds that out, does that change anything about... I mean, it probably would just make her more mad.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, she, she she doesn't seem to have a very wide range of emotions.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be another hopeful play- thing to do, is to flesh out Emerald beyond... She
0: goes from gloaty to enraged, and that's about it humorously enraged
1: oh yeah it's it's just that
0: yeah that's the real reason we want a Lars of the stars series so we can get more emerald
1: (laughs) yeah well i don't know how much more there is to get the faces in this comic are already so good especially the ending panels where uh artist actually does something really cool she just zooms up on emerald's face and it's basically the same model same shot but you just get more detail in the zoom in with like better shading there's just like way more lines around the eyes and her teeth are just super scarier like you said i think near the beginning of the episode but yeah so more of that (laughs) also there's just such a more serious looking tone to it all like if they did this in the show it would feel out of place in a like funny way but it would it would be like exaggerated for comedy yeah whereas in the comic because the whole thing's drawn that way
0: yeah yeah, I know what you're talking about in in a cartoon when the the art style just suddenly changes. Like they do it on SpongeBob a couple times,
1: right? But here, like, it's not a complete change, and it feels like on the previous page from a zoom in on Emerald's face, we have a similar zoom in on Lars's face where he's like yeah, punch, the punch
0: it. it face. That I, that is, I love that panel. Yeah, it's such a you know. Bad, bad boy move. <laughs> yeah, he's he looks he's so got cool. the backlighting from the whatever that little laser blast is. Or
1: yeah, well, it's like that thing they do in the show a lot, where like this background goes black and it does the single line. The ketchup
0: is in the fries. <laughs> <laughs> from that, from that shot. Yeah, that kind of shot. <laughs> oh, oh, I loved that shot. Do you have anything else you wanted to say about this issue? Ooh, if, if issue 26 is going to be spicy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like of a lot of the other Steven Universe comics, this ending is the most cliffhangery of ones I've read. Like, I am completely waiting on the next one to come out. Like, this was good. I think these comics are always very short, so you have to quickly set up, like, a reason for people to buy the next one.
0: Yeah, and this one was actually longer than the the typical issue.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, that helped it because I was definitely brought into the story. I'm like, because honestly, for me, at least the Lars episodes in space weren't my favorite in show. But here I feel pretty good about it. I think part of that, like we said, Pad Parasha, better characterized, having uh, just not being having Steven as a limitation on the story is also helpful. So I'm excited to see how Lars and the Off Colors
0: uh, figure this out. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm I'm interested in what is so dangerous about this nebula. A lot of people are predicting that whatever it is, Emerald is actually going to have to help Lars out so she doesn't get a completely trashed sun incinerator.
1: Ooh, that's a good theory. Yeah, I guess also at the end of this comic, we're not exactly sure if Emerald's even going to chase them down or not because she just thinks that the ship is as good as gone. So, yeah, that'll be interesting.
0: I don't know, like... I see what they mean. That's like, that's like her like, no, I have to do something. <laughs> I, I, I hope we haven't seen the last of her. They've been doing such a good job with her in this issue. Yeah, no, I mean, she'll obviously have to save
1: Lars and the off colors just so she can save her ship. That'll be fun.
0: Oh, like imagine how awesome it would be if we, if in the comic, we got to see one of her subordinates.
1: I mean, I'm all for more gems. <laughs> we definitely, it'd be nice to see that. Because we never, the closest we get to, like, seeing, like, uh, Superior and Inferiors is on the Human Space Station. Uh, but that's kind of the yeah. only time we saw that compared to, like, just the Diamonds and their courts.
0: Yeah, we have Holly Blue and the Fam, and we have the Diamonds and their Pearls, really. Uh, the, the Zircons, of course, but... But it's not the same setup as seeing, like... A Captain and her crew.
1: Yeah, that that just gives us more insight or just more visibility on what the Gempire looks like. Like, Emerald's as close as we get to just seeing, like, gems doing their thing unrelated to Homeworld or the Earth. Like, it's just like, well, what else I are mean, they doing?
0: It's, it's all related to Homeworld, though, like... Emerald is a barrel. She's a fixer gem. You send her out there to do a task, and she gets it done
1: <laughs> with a lot of anger and vigor. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, she enjoys. I mean, you see how much Aquamarine loves her job. I, th- I think I think Emerald is likewise enthusiastic. Except, I don't think she monologues to herself.
1: <laughs> no, she looks like she just leans forwards and screams. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: All right, guys, that's been us on issue 25 of the Steven Universe comic series. Issue 26 will be out next month, and you should join us next week, where I don't know what we'll be talking about, but we'll be talking (laughs) about something. Sounds enticing. Oh, hey, we always got good episodes. Oh, yeah. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit universespire.com. Thank you for listening.